0: Visit our website at OALAIG.org, where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Gail Peet. Hi everybody, I'm Gail. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm a hundred pounder. Hi. Here's so pictures to prove it. <laughs> Walter, are you here? Walter, thank you for asking me to speak. I appreciate that very much. Okay, so I'm going to keep to the format of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So I came in to OA February twentieth, nineteen eighty nine. Do I need this thing? Do you guys know, you yeah. mean, Okay, I came into OA February 20th, 1989. My top weight's 265. Five pictures to prove it, and I'm down 120 pounds. And, um, <laughs> and thank God, uh, don't thank me. I don't. I don't do anything. So do, I do. I do work. I do my OA work, but God. Takes care of the rest. I'm telling you. Anyway, I came in and um, I did not come into OA because I was wanting to lose weight or thinking I could. I, I was hopeless. I, I, I never thought I'd ever be ever be normal size. Never occurred to me, in my wildest dreams, to be a normal size. That was not part of my plan. What I did is I came in because I was dating a guy that was in NA that one of my girlfriends fixed me up with. And I was dating him for maybe a week or so, and I wanted to speak the. all of them were in N.A., and I wanted to speak their language, so I didn't take drugs. Food's my drug. So I went into OA thinking I could learn the language. I never, ever expected to ever get down normal size and have a normal life. Never expected that. So what happened was is, I'd rather talk about, okay, anyway, he dumped me like a week after I started OA because he wasn't allowed to date newcomers. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, but I, it's, what I heard was, I heard the tools, I heard the tools by that time, and I heard you're supposed to call somebody if you're upset, you're not supposed to eat, so I made a phone call to somebody, and she said, write about it and call me back, and she click, hung up on me, so I wrote how stupid he was, how wrong he was, how his sponsor was wrong, and how they didn't understand, I was not a cocaine addict, I was only fat, I, nothing wrong with me. My life was fine, and um, they didn't know what they were talking about. And how dare he do that? So anyway, I wrote it. I read it to her, and I kept working my program. And anyway, so what I want to talk about is first of how it was, what it was like for me. So I was, I had a, an unusual relationship with food ever since I can remember. Um, I did not get my needs met as a kid. My father was sick when I was five, and he couldn't work. And my mother had to go to work, and she never let us forget it. We were very poor, and um, very poor, and she never let us forget it. So I was scared all the time because he was a nice one, and he was dying. It took him 15 years to die. He didn't die until I was 20, but 15 years of him watching him die every day. And that was, like, so frightening for me, and I had nobody to um, console me because he was my consoler, but he was sick. So what I would do is I would go in my bedroom and eat. And eat and eat and eat. And I found food that calmed me down right away. I wasn't even conscious of that at all. I just food calms me down. It does. Now I don't have to like test that anymore. But at the time, I didn't know what else to do. And at age 12, I started working at my father's cousin's bakery because I needed to, I needed to pay I needed to help pay the rent. My my mother couldn't make ends meet, so they sent me to my father's cousin's bakery to go work. So guess what I found? You know, my best friend at the time was flour, which I abstain from completely now. But um, so what I got to do is I could eat as much. My father's cousin and his wife were the nicest people. They were my they were my, like my godparents too. They were so nice to me and they nurtured me. But I still needed pounds and pounds of food. What I would do is I would literally take two um, grocery bags full of food home and put it in my bedroom. I never shared it with the rest of the family. And I would devour that in between working. So I would go to work before school, go after school, go on weekends, and have all this bread and and, um, pastries, mostly bread and and bagels, lots of bagels, in my bedroom, and I would just stay numb. So by the time I was in high school, I was 240 pounds. So needless to say, my relationships were, were... poured a nil. I had one binge buddy. And what, what came up uh, up that is um, I sold my own clothes because we couldn't afford for me to go shopping. And there was no Elaine Bryant, I don't think, at the time. I don't know. I'm 56 now. So that was how many years ago? That was 40 years ago. I'm not even sure if there was Elaine Bryant then at the time. So I sold my own clothes. My skirts, I would sew, sew skirts and um, wear men's um, sweaters, extra large sweaters. And that I just needed to cover myself. That's all I could do. You know, just to cover my fat. That's all I got to do at 240. And um, so the prom, did, I did not go to a prom if there was one. I don't even know if there was one. But I just didn't socialize and I didn't um, have relationships really. Just a few friends, but not really. Not really. I just wanted to eat. That's all I wanted to do and stay really numb and stay really sleeping all the time. So anyway, so I'm that my 20s were about building my career. I have not a clue how I built my career. How did I stay... Present enough to do what I did. I was an entertainment business manager with handling millions of dollars, and I'm stoned out of my head on bread and pasta. I don't like the stuff, and I just couldn't stuff enough of it in me to stay numb. But I had a career, and um, so my 20s and 30s were about having a pot of spaghetti on my stove and just walking by and eating all day. It's all I did. Big pot, like a lobster pot, and I was just that's right. I, I numbed out. Okay, so anyway, so um, that was my. It made a lot of enemies at work because I was the, pe- the money person. So I was really close with my bosses, and so I, I I really threw my weight around. I had a lot of amends to make. Boy, I made them all, but boy, there were a lot. Anyway, so that was my 20s and my 30s, my until I came into 08 at age 37. So you get the idea. Oh, just what it was like also is. I lived in a condo um, from 83 to the earthquake, to 94, and during that time, so the condo was in the back of a building, and I had to buzz people in, it was a security building, and what it was like was, somebody would buzz in, I would buzz them in, and they had to walk through the maze to go through to the back of the building, and in that time I would down a box of cereal to calm my nerves to be able to open the door to them, because I was so nervous opening the door and these were people I knew these were not burglars I was opening the door to these were people I probably invited but I was so scared and what I would do is open the door say hello and the puff of cereal would come out of my mouth and that's what I had to do just to open the door it was, you know it sounds funny but it's like real, how sad is that that's really sad and so I came into oh I, okay so I came, I met this guy I don't remember his name I think his name was Dan I think his name was Dan. Anyway, I was dating him for a, a couple weeks, and I came into OA. It was a Monday night, a step study in Van Nuys. And um, what happened was is, um, it stuck. I just started – it was a step study. I did not know what a step was. I don't even know if I knew what was. it was a 12-step meeting. I don't know if I knew what a step was at all. All I did is I came in, and I wrote, and I cried, and I wrote, and I cried. So it was a writing meeting. And two lovely women took me to my second meeting where I got a sponsor. And I did not understand what it meant to, um, they say, find somebody who has what you want and ask them to be your sponsor. I had not a clue what that meant. So what I came to find out was you're supposed to ask what they have. Spiritually, I, How would I do that? I, I, was, I didn't know what spiritual meant. I had no idea what God meant. I had no idea anything like that. The only time I ever used God's word was when I would binge at night. I used to binge till I passed out. And I would say, God, I don't want to do this in the morning. And then I would do it in the morning, first thing. First thing in the morning, as soon as I woke up, I would binge before I brushed my teeth. So that's what I had to do to even stay alive. I was just so nervous. I was a wreck. So anyway, so um, I had no idea I was a wreck, by the way. So... Anyway, so I, um, where am I? Okay, so I got a sponsor the second day, and she asked me if she could sponsor me, and she had the same binge food. My biggest binge food was bagels. That was it. I would eat a dozen at a time, and they were almost always in the car. What I would do is I would eat in between meals a dozen bagels. I would put them in the car with a um, gallon of orange juice, a half a gallon of orange juice, and... I would eat it from, from, from errand to errand. That's how I had it show up. I couldn't show up just without food or like that. That was in between meals. I would show up before, go on the way to lunch with somebody, I would go and eat a dozen bagels before lunch. I'm surprised my insides are so like in one piece. I don't, you know, I'm surprised. I'm very blessed that they are. Anyway, so... Um, So I got a sponsor. She asked if she could sponsor me, and she had a condo the same as I did, kind of like in the same neighborhood. We both drove nice cars. We both had jobs. So I didn't know what it meant, but anyway, she asked me, so I said yes, she could sponsor me. And we started working the steps. And I have to say that step one was devastating to me. It was the most devastating thing up to that time, I had never experienced. What happened was, is I was told I was powerless. Now you're telling a 265 pound person who has a really powerful job at a Mercedes and a condo in Studio, you know, and, uh, I, I had, I had a condo in Studio City, I had a Mercedes, I had, I, I shopped a forgotten woman. I'll have you know in Beverly Hills, you know, I could buy whatever I wanted, and you're telling me I'm powerless. Well, I fell apart. Telling me that. I, I fell apart. It took a long time and a lot of work to um, really believe that I was powerless. Because how, how could a crouton get me to my knees? It does. <laughs> it does. A crouton will kill me at this point of my life. A crouton. It's per, I, I'm not dead, but a boy killed my soul. One crouton leads to a loaf of bread for me. So it kills me. It kills my soul. And how could you tell somebody so, so, you know, I had the best jewelry. I had, like, good clothes. I had a good car. How could you tell me I'm powerless? I couldn't believe it. But I believed it after a while because I am. You know, I am. One, you know. Anyway, so I continued to work the steps with this sponsor. I worked the first three steps. And um, I got to step three, a friend died of AIDS. It was June of 89. That's just when people started dying of AIDS. And that was rough. And because I, I barely worked step two and three the first time, I have to tell you that, you know, that's why I worked the steps starting one through 12, one through 12, one through 12, one through, one through you know, it's like, hello, I never stop. But I, I also want to talk about, I should put this away. Um, I, I want to talk about how I solve problems working in steps two, because that's important for me. But I want to talk, okay, so what happened was is I, after the third step, um, my friend died, and I made a decision to turn my will over to God and not eat. Don't know, I just heard it, you know, that's what step I'm on, so I made a decision. And my step two was just knowing that I was insane, because um, I asked my sponsor at the time, I said, you know, how could God, step two, how could God restore me to sanity if I've never been sane? And she said, you could go back to birth if you're born sane. Ask God to restore you to that that kind of sanity. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you ask God to restore. You know, come to believe that God can restore you to sanity, no matter even if it's at birth. So um, I believed her, and I went to step three. And at, his name is Michael, and at his funeral. I made a decision to turn my life over, to, my will and my life over to the care of God, which means I wasn't going to binge, and I wanted to really, 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 really bad because that really hurt that he died. He was, I didn't even know he was gay, really. I mean, I had no idea. I just knew he was a neat guy, and I worked with him. He was a production manager, like a producer of movies, and I was in entertainment. And he's just really a neat person, really vivacious, gregarious. You know, it's really neat. Anyway, so that was a big loss. I changed sponsors at that time, um, and I found a sponsor. I live in the Valley, and I sponsored somebody in the Valley that, um, that, was was gentle. Was gentle. The other sponsor was kind of mean. She when I told her I heard about fear of financial insecurity, and she would say. You have a nice car. You can just go live in that if you don't live in any house. And so she would talk to me like that. And I thought, I don't want to be talked to like that. I could call my mother if I wanted to be talked like that. <laughs> so at the time, she was lot. Really, I'll try to not have to call a stranger and to talk to like that. So I had enough sense. So I, so I called. So I, I went to a meeting in the valley, and there was a woman there. It was a five, I think she was a five or ten pounder, which... You know, it was, a, it was a day, it was a Sunday for me with a five pounds, you know. And um, she said that she always knew I was going to ask her to sponsor me. She always knew it. She was waiting for me to ask, and I did ask. And she sponsored me through all the steps. And so I went back and started doing one, two, and three over with her really quickly, and then so I could get a foundation, and then I started my fourth step. My fourth step was 136 pages of resentments. I resented. They say people, places, things, institutions, okay, well, you know, the, the, um, the, the, if you go to the pier in Santa Monica, you can't go on the merry-go-round if you weigh over 200 pounds. There's a sign that says you can't. It's, this is a sign telling me I can't go on the merry-go-round. How devastating. I want, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible to be told that. I could not go horseback riding at the equestrian center in Burbank. Because there's a sign sign there now saying you can't go through over 200 pounds. So there were a lot of things I couldn't do because I was so big. I couldn't walk up steps in a a New York library, and I really wanted to. I couldn't walk up the stairs. So um, I was not physically fit. (laughs) So anyway, so I had resentments, and I wrote them out, 136 pages. I resented everybody. I resented all of you. Especially you, that you guys that um, were thin and got thin, because I didn't know if I could do it, and I was jealous, I guess. So I um, resented all of you. But um, anyway, and I hated the ones that didn't do it because they. I didn't want them to prove me right that I couldn't do it. So you, you were all screwed. I hated all of you. So which isn't the case today. So anyway, so. Um, Gave my fourth step to my little skinny sponsor. And, you know, we didn't, give, we, didn't, we didn't commit food or anything like that in those days. They didn't have email. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have any OA literature at that point. So I just told her what I ate sometimes. And she was horrified. And she didn't, she didn't hide the horrifying. To her, she weighed 105 pounds. And I'm telling her I, I ate yogurt for the first time in my life in OA. Yogurt, a 265-pound person, and I was so proud of myself, but it was like a big container of it, big, like for four people. And she was horrified that somebody could eat that much. And I'm thinking, that's no. I ate ga- gallons of ice cream. You're telling me I can't eat that much. You know, <laughs> anyway, so I didn't, She, shamed, I felt ashamed, and I never told her again what I ate. So, but... I told other people, so that was okay, and I didn't have anything to be ashamed of, you know. And none of us do, you know. We're all in the same boat together. So anyway, so I, I sat down April 6, 1990, in my condo in Studio City, with our fire, the fireplace going, and I gave her my fourth step, which was my fifth step. I gave it to her. It was a loving, very loving experience,
1: and she's there with
0: the red pen circling all of my defects of character. <laughs> I mean, God, I, I have invented more since I met her. Since I'm, I mean, I still look at for defects. I, they come up, they grow, they grow from my toenails. I don't know, they grow all the time. So, as long as I'm out in the life, I have defects that you know keep coming up. So anyway, so I um, worked six and seven, and I made a list of all the persons I had harmed. It was very long. I made a grown man cry at work one time. I was so mean to him. His name was Howard. I made him cry. He was a CPA. I was only 22 years old and I made him cry. I I found him and I apologized. I found everybody, everybody, I apologized. (laughs) And um, that was really a neat experience, by the way. It was really not, it, it didn't have to be scary because everybody was really nice. I made some good. You know, reconnections with people that I would have never done if I didn't apologize first. You know, because people weren't going to forgive me if I didn't even apologize. So that was a good chance to reconnect with people. And that's been my experience through every all all events that I've a really you know there's lots of healing that happens with that. Anyway, and then the tenth step. So I write, dear God, all the time. I write all the time. You know, things don't go my way, and I write. I read it to my sponsor. and We work the steps. But I wanna, I'm going to go back to that. Yeah, I'm going to go back to that. Then I did my leaven. My leaven sub was really important to me, and the way I learned to connect, there was a few re- ways I got to connect to God and learn to get to know God as a friend. My sponsor, my skinny sponsor at the time, my tiny one, she's tiny and beautiful still. Um, she told me to once a week. My assignment was to go out to lunch with God. It had to be just with God in a restaurant. And I could bring my pen and paper, and I could write to God through my pen and paper, and He would be sitting across the table from me, and I would, and He would talk to me. And so I got to sit across the table every week for a long time, and talk to God, and get to talk to Him like He was my friend. And so I got to know Him really well, and I got to have a friendship with Him, and that was really important because I needed Him to get me to continue to stop eating. Because this was a pro- this stopping eating was a process of years before I stopped wanting to go to the food. It was years. I didn't go, but I, would, I was, like, you know, it was like so hard sometimes. And the phone would ring. I was scared to answer, and I would want to go to food. And I'd have to like just, it was just very hard. It was scary. So anyway, it just took me a long time to heal that, to get that healed. It's been 19 and a half years now. And it's healed now. I don't have to eat before I answer the phone anymore. So there is hope. You know, it just took a while. It took a lot of work. And that's what we do. It takes much more work to be fat, believe me. Anyway, so um, so I um, the eleventh step is also I had I lost my condo this lovely studio city condo in the earthquake '94 earthquake and I was so mad at God I can't even tell you I was never mad at anybody like I was mad at God but we were friends and I could tell my friend I was mad at him you know I started getting language by that time the first first you know 40 some odd years of my life I had no language skills I couldn't talk I ate I just never told you my truth because I was scared you're going to leave me if I told you my truth so I kept my mouth shut all the time never I rarely talked anyway so um I was just, I let God have it and I was um I was working out with a trainer at that time very little bit I was five ab- years absence I was getting down to maybe size 14 by that time and um I she said why are you so tense and I said God took my condo. I hate him. I hate God. How how dare he take my condo? I love that condo. I thought I was going to die in my condo. And she said, God didn't take it. The men that built the condo didn't do a good job. It's not God's fault that they were in their own will. Now, this person was not in program. But I thought, oh, God, that's true. You know, it was built by, I bought it new, so I know I saw people were building it. And they were drinking all the time while they were building my condo, so they didn't even put the, the, the nails in the right places, you know. So the condo crashed with the earthquake, of course. So I got to let God off the hook, and He just loved me through it all. I would be so mean to Him, and He would give me more gifts. So I kept getting more and more gifts as as God, you know. I'm I'm telling God off before I you know before I let Him apologize to me. No, before um before I figured out you know my this, this um trainer told me that um, it wasn't God's fault. He just kept. Giving me gifts. I could tell you one of the gifts of my husband right here. Hello, honey. But what happened was, is like, okay, I was able to, at, right after the earthquake, find a really nice two-story apartment for my cats and I. I was single. For my cats and I to live in for a while. While I could find out what I was going to do, I was in shock, you know. But I got the money, you know. Money was just handed to me from a my mother, actually, um, to, to get a, to get an apartment right away. I got a beautiful apartment, beautiful, in Studio City. I was in shock, as I said, the whole time, and it gave me enough breathing room for those couple of months to go look, to see what I wanted to do, and I bought a house, and it happened to be across the street from my husband, and that's how I met him. We would have never met otherwise, so God was to, gave you guys the earthquake so I could be my husband, <laughs> you know, so it's like. That's what happens, you know. We would never, we never would have crossed paths because when we met, it was like, you know, he was, you know, he's an athlete, and I'm like, never walked around the block in my life. And, and so he got to introduce that to me, and I, and he, I introduced different you know, cultural things to him that he didn't. He was busy raising kids and didn't, you know, go to the opera. So I introduced that to him, and he introduced athletics to me, which I really am athletic. I, there was a, an athlete, athletic person coming, you know, waiting to be found so anyway so um so that's my 11 step story one of them you know there's many of them but God is really if I just when I want to do something destructive like overeat I get to remember these stories you know and that's what I draw on so I don't have to like go to the food and hurt myself anymore and then the 12th step is I sponsor I don't know I think around seven women and I take food from a couple more so I think there's around 10 women that I talk to almost every day. I take their food. One of them I'm just talking to about food and other things. You know, she might want to talk about her relationship, and we talk about that and work in the steps and stuff. And um, it's really nice. So I must be in contact with maybe 10 sponsors. I also have a sponsor she has 44 years of absence. I think she has the longest absence in the world, from what I understand. And she has a, not my, I think she does, because Ag had it and he died. So she has the longest absence. I think they had the same absence. So she had April. She had 44 years. Wise lady, let me tell you. You know, wise. Everything she says is always almost you know true. Because I, I I ask, I question. I question when she tells me something, I want want to know. We're very close friends. But I think, you know, I need to question and find my way, too. I have to find my voice because it's not going to be exactly the same as hers. And I'm very lucky to have her in my life. So I, I work the steps with her. Okay. Now I want to talk about working the steps. I have good time for that. Okay. So what I do is, On every single situation that baffles me, which is a lot of situations and a lot of things that just irk me or somebody's mean to me or anything else, what I do is I start with I'm powerless over whatever it is. I start with step one, and I say what I'm powerless over and how it makes my life unmanageable. And then I go to step two, and I try to envision in my head what sanity would look like in this situation.
1: Because I don't know,
0: you know, and I don't know what to aspire to if I don't know what sanity looks like. And so I have to kind of like, maybe I have to talk to a few people also to find out what sanity looks like. Because I don't know sometimes. I don't know if I'm crazy or the other person was crazy. Some people are mean, some people are, you know, that kind of stuff. So I check it out with somebody else. A lot of times I call my sponsor because we're friends. I talk every day with her. I do my step work with her twice a week, but I talk to her every day almost. Anyway, because um, we did that before she was my sponsor. By the way, the, the, um, little, the little tiny pretty one, she um, let go of her sponsors when she was pregnant, like, um, I think, 16 years ago. So I found another sponsor. And I've found a few, couple sponsors since then, until I, I asked my friend to be. So anyway, so but they were all lovely, and I had great, you know, re- great response and great um, recovery from all of them. So anyway, so... Um, so I try to look to see what sanity looks like in a situation, and then I could ask God to make my will match his will. And what I get to do is I get to aspire to do God's will, because my will is ugly. And you know, I can look at my pictures and see, think that that's ugly will. I want to hurt myself. I want to hurt you. I don't want do, to do that, but that's what my will will do if I get mad. You know, if I get angry, don't you don't want to give me a gun? You know, you don't want to give me a pen and paper. So um, anyway, so I so I look what God's will is going to be, and I try to aspire towards that. And it's sometimes hard. That's where six and seven comes in. Did I skip that by the way? No, I did. Okay. Anyway, because um, my pride gets in the way. You know, I don't want to do God's will because God may want me to be nice to somebody who's mean to me. I don't want to be nice to somebody who's mean to me. You know. So anyway, so I. Um, try to ask I try to aspire to do God's will. It doesn't always work by the way. So um, but some, most times it does. And then I um, I don't write a resentment a fourth step every time because it's a tenth step really when I do it a lot. I don't have a lot of resentments in my life at this point that, that I feel bad about. You know, I've written about every resentment I have and I've you know and I've done I've done that work and if I get a resentment I'll write about it but I could do a 10-step and do it, too. And then um, my defects of character, would, and six and seven are my favorite, favorite, favorite um, steps, because I can't do anything about you guys, but I could do something about me. So if I have a defect of character, I could do something with it. I could work a steps. I could ask God to remove it. I could aspire to have God replace it with something more positive, or something positive, the opposite sometimes, or whatever it is. If you're my problem, I can't do anything about it, I'm powerless over you, so, you know, I can't, I can't do it. But if I'm the problem, I could, it could be fixed. God could fix it, I can't fix it, but I could do the work to get it fixed, for God to fix it. Um, so that's really neat for me. So what's come up right now is I'm on a book, a Hazleton book, it's not um, OA, I think it might, it's Hazleton, I don't know if it's AA, but it's, um, it's heavy work on steps six and seven. And I've been on it for a month, and I'm on – I did the intro and the, the, part, the part of the book, which is like five pages, and I'm on page like three. I've done – it's taken a month to get that far. It's so meaty. It's like amazing. Because I, what I did is I decided to work um, – I started to, work, decided to do the work on judgment, because I judge. I judge. My first, my first therapist told me that judgment is um, just, um, just, you know, uh, what, uh, observing – but I judge harshly sometimes. So I, um, why do I do that? I thought I knew why. It's usually because I want the person that I'm judging to stay away from me because I don't like them. That's usually the case. But that's not why I have to judge. I could just like not, not be near certain people. So I don't have to judge them. It's like waste my time, waste my brain power, and it's not very loving. Anyway, so, um, so I've been working on that. And it's really um, working six and seven on just judgment. And I have to say that it's 90% removed and I can't believe it because I never thought that it was going to be removed ever 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 because that was like really big um, pride was my first 18 years of program pride oh my god big and that's not so that's not um, that's not too much anymore but it's, it comes up sometimes and I have to really watch it Cause when I pick up the phone sometimes if they're if someone's late I want to be prideful and say I can't talk to you now you're five minutes late or something like that and I think that's so I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to show up like that anymore. Like, I, I've shown up like that always. I don't want to do that anymore. So, um, so I don't show, do that anymore. I actually, like, take their call. I might say, you know, you left yourself no time. I've, I spend um, 15 minutes each with each sponsee. So, they're screwing themselves out of doing the step work is what they're doing if they call me late. But I'm sitting there, and what am I supposed to be doing? Solitaire on the computer while I'm waiting for them. So, you know, both of us lose out. So, anyway, so... Um, so six and seven, as I said, is very important. I'm very heavily ensconced in that right now. And what I do is I rely on my sponsor. To see she knows me really well, so I could ask her what my defects are, too. Because I, I see resentment. I see, I don't see resentment. I see anger if somebody's mean to me. And I see um, judgment, and I see pride. And gluttony was removed, actually, which I can't believe. We went for, We went for brunch with my stepson and his girlfriend at a buffet today, and I can't, you know, it's like it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's um, by the grace of God that I could have a normal-sized meal and, and count my calories and get on with life. So I want to talk about my absence a bit, okay? Because um, the step work, um, I, oh, so I work the steps. Let me just finish working the steps. So six and seven, I work that. If I owe an amends, I make it. If I don't, I don't. Just, she decides. She helps me decide that because I don't want to, I just want to do it right. So I just ask her for the help on that. And, um, okay, now I want to talk about my abstinence. And one of the tools is not abstinence, it's a food plan. But my whole main life is abstinence. That's the most important thing in my life. Absolutely, no, no, no offense to my husband, but that's more, it's more important than any, anything. Anything in my life is I have to remain abstinent. My abstinence in the first ten years of my program was no binging. I know what a binge looks like. And I know what a well-balanced meal looks like I know the difference we all do I can't have to fool myself and they were big then compared to what they are now like I, my, these pants are size six compared to size 28 before you know it's going my, my food my um, food portions are going to look different obviously so um, and I don't need to hurt myself anymore with food so therefore I don't have to make gigantic I count calories now so anyway so um, my absence right so the first 10 years was just no binging. And then I, um, I couldn't get under a size 12 or 14. And I thought I was done losing, by the way. So I never thought I should have to get down under that. Because I was a miracle. I was size 27, 28. So I thought it was a miracle I was down to 12 or 14. I was done. So I'm almost, almost done. So, okay. Thank you. So anyway, so... um. And then I was speaking at a meeting on a Sunday morning and a lovely lady named Martha, who's a hundred pounder also, said that she doesn't eat flour. I never had food on my any foods on my abstinence because I never thought that you're supposed to abstain from anything but sugar. I just never heard anybody abstaining from anything but sugar. I keep hearing sugar all the time. And sugar is not my thing. It's always flour. But I'd always try to control. That's why I said croutons, because I would always try to control. And then I would put a crouton on my salad and one to overeat. Oh, my God, I would struggle. I and mean, I don't want to struggle. And I hate that word struggle, because it's not what we're supposed to be doing. Anyway, so I, um, after the meeting, when Martha said she didn't eat flour, I went up to her and I said, I never thought to put that on my abstinence. What do you think? And she said, yeah, I have that on my abstinence. And she's really tiny. She's a hundred-pounder, but really tiny little girl now, really tiny. And, um, and I said, can I start emailing you? We had an email by that time. It was like how many years ago? So nine years ago, almost nine years ago, we had an email by that time. And I said, can I email you my food? Which I've never done before. I never gave my food away. I counted points with Weight Watchers to get my weight off. I, ca- I counted exchange. Now I count calories. I'm always, this, always, 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 I've written down everything I've eaten, since I started OA 19 and a half years ago, I've never not done that, but I never gave it to any, but I never thought to. Anyway, so I um, I asked her if I could start emailing my food. I still do. I email every bite to her every day. We communicate back and forth every day by that. But that then I so I I put um, flour on my abstinence, and um, so that really was wonderful, and I lost the rest of my I lost more weight. I lost like oh 40 pounds. I'd say just from, just from not having flour, I added chips because I would find myself um, we 'd go to parties sometimes I was married by that time, and um, we'd go to parties and I remember a super Bowl party where I had chicken wings and chips I thought this isn 't smart it 's not a well it's not it 's hurting me it 's hurting me it's not it 's not helping me, so I put chips on there and then I put um soft, you know, candy bars. I never even ate them, but I kind of wanted to, wanted to uh, make sure, just make sure, because so I put candy bars on there. And, you know, if I have a mint, it's fine, but I don't do that. I try not to do that at all. But um, if I do, I'm I, 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 I am not going to break my abstinence. So those are the foods that are on there. And what I do is I have a food plan. I'll start talking about the two. I don't have a lot of time, though, huh? Um, I have a food plan that I stick to. I never vary. I never, ever, ever go off my food plan, ever, at this point, ever, ever. We've traveled... A lot of the world. I've never gone off my food pan in Africa. Never gone off. I just don't do that. I never, I don't go off of it, no matter what. In the bush of Africa, I could get what I needed. I did, because, you know, I'm here to tell you I did. We took pictures of it, too, so I could actually, I don't think they're in there, though. Anyway, so um, um, I use all the tools every day. I talk to a lot of OA people every day, which is a pleasure. I do fellowship. I, um, I do service. I'm the treasurer of the San Fernando Valley Board. Um, so I'm on the board there, and I'm, I'm the treasurer, and um, I – what else is there? I, I read the literature, I, I do writing, I abstain, I do with my food plan, I um, give service, anonymity, I don't talk about other people usually, I'm not great at – I don't usually, I usually don't. Um, whatever else, I, um, I can't think. I go to meetings, I go to like three or four meetings a week, and I don't – you know, I can go – it's not like I... I feel like I'm, I, feel like I um, actually give back when I go to meetings so I can talk to people that are new and help. You know, I feel, I feel useful to going to meetings. And I also get stuff out of what the um, speakers say and I can learn new things. So that's a good thing. So anyway, that's my idea. That's my thing. I work the tools every day. And I'll just end with this. As I said before, that the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life was being fat and being in the food. So anything I have to do to abstain... And have a good life that I have i 'll do because think that was the worst thing, and it was a, you know being a prisoner in my own body and not being able to be thirty seven years old and not be able to walk around the block without being gasping for air. you know what who wants to look like that i don 't want to I don 't have to none of us have to all it does is take you know put a pen in my hand, a pad of paper in front of me, and just start going to town that 's all it takes so Instead of, a pan, instead of a fork, I have a pen in my hand, you know. That's, what, that's all it takes, really. That's how easy it is. A program is such an easy thing to do. It's so much easier than the regret and shame we have when we, when we don't do it, you know. So anyway, that's my story. I hope you guys got something out of it. Thank you. Oh, there's time for questions. If somebody, Anybody have a question? We have time for one question. I went over, I guess. I didn't think so. Anybody have a question? No. My food plan specifically is I don't eat anything that puts on weight. So it has to be very well balanced, very healthy, so I look good at fifty six, which I am. So what it is, I have I work out six days a week. It's killing my body, but I work out six days a week. So before I spin four days a week, so before I spin I have a yogurt not fat yogurt or um, I'm being specific is that what you want okay I have a not fat yogurt or a piece of fruit before I spin and a cup of coffee and then um, after I spin I have around three quarter cup of oatmeal I put raisins in it sometimes depending on what my day is going to look like if I can afford the 45 calories I count calories Lunch and dinner are usually always the same. It's always going to be vegetables and protein. Sometimes, like once every six months, I might have some brown rice. Once every six months, I might have a yam. But for the most part, I don't have very much starch. And I have fruit, usually a piece of fruit with cup of decaf or tea um, in between lunch and dinner. And then I have... Around 9 o'clock at night, I have another yogurt or a piece of fruit. And I stick to around 1,200 calories a day. My post-menopause body can't handle more than that. I can't. You know, I have a sponsee that's a few years younger than me, that she's 1,800 and can't keep weight on. If 1, I go over 1,200, I will gain weight. So I just have to, and I weigh myself every day. So I want to be accountable. I write it down. I don't tell anybody. I just, like, write it down. I tell my nutritionist. That's about it. That's exactly what I eat. If you want me to email your, my food to you, I will if you want to see it. So that's what I do, though. So, and I just don't bury it. I don't bury it. So lots of, there's lots of proteins out there, lots of vegetables, lots of different yogurts. There's lots of stuff to do. But I stay healthy. I drink lots of, tons of water, tons of water. So that's what I do. Stay away from caffeine in the afternoon. That answer? Am I done? Okay. Thank you. Muchas gracias.